With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um... Polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Baz Dizzy for breakfast, 13th of September uh, 2021. And Izzy, today we had the job of wrapping up a huge sporting weekend NRL finals to discuss uh, an All Blacks test match, some Formula One, tennis. What was your favourite of the sport over the weekend? Uh, look, I can't go past uh, the US Open Women's Final. Just Emma Raducanu and Leila Fernandez. What they were able to achieve, obviously Emma getting the treats in the end, what this done for her career, catapulting her into, wow, one of the biggest names in the world so far. Um, so just, just watching her uh, performance over in Flushing Meadows was unreal. So just that was an all-great performance. But like you said, we had the NRL with the Panthers going down to the Rabbitohs. We had the All Blacks putting on a clinical performance, 39-0 against the uh, the Argentinian side. And then Quay Cooper making a comeback against the Springboks current world champions, putting on a performance. How how much of a how proud are the Australian public with that performance? Are they happy he's back? They sure will be because they got them in the win. Eight kicks from eight. Absolute clinical performance from Quay Cooper. Mate, it's been a great weekend. Great weekend. We spoke to Jace Ryan. We've had some amazing grits. Uh, guests. Brett Phillips joined us from the first serve and our SEN co-host for the tennis show over in Australia. So, nah, we've had a great show. Absolutely. Harry Simeo wrapping the EPL as well. We're back again doing it all again tomorrow, and there's going to be lots of spillover from this wild Monday to get into. So join us again on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Great to have with us for our McCafe coffee catch-up, someone that knows a ton about what goes on in that front row and well, there's been questions thrown at us on the show about Carl Tui Nukuafi playing first five. That's the unbelievable skill sets that our type five display in this day and age in this game. And one of the contributing factors would have to be this man, Jason Ryan. He has joined us this morning. Good morning, Jace. Morning, lads. How are we? Good, mate. Good, mate. How are you? You good? Yeah, all good, mate. Got through the weekend. Got through the weekend. That was... Uh... It's just a bit of downtime on the old footy side of the moment, but um, no, everything's good, mate. Nice, nice. Well, I know you're having a bit of downtime. You would have watched that match yesterday. 39 points to zip. What was your takeouts from it, bud? Yeah, I thought um, 
thought Argentina was a little bit disappointing at times. I thought their defence was was outstanding, wasn't it, early in the game, um, mainly for the All Blacks, sort of not a lot of footwork into contact, pretty easy to tackle, one-on-one tackles, and probably could have challenged a little bit of kick space in behind the Argentinian defence line early on, but um, overall I'd say the All Blacks will be uh, pretty happy with that um, performance. There'll be a couple of things to tidy up with their line-out. Um, but yeah, they'll be, they'll be happy to, to get a win over there. Mate, it looked like Argentina were a bit shell-shocked from the get-go. Nipa Lalala spoke about it early, putting an absolute shot on Pablo Matera. Do you reckon that rocked them from the from the get-go? Yes, he's definitely, but uh, certainly a bit of a scene setter early on, wasn't it? Big Nate's got a real good shoulder <laughs> on him. Glad it wasn't any higher. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he... Uh, yeah, he did well, Neep. So I think just on Neep, I think he's just sort of starting to travel around the field a bit quicker. He's sort of looked a bit heavy there a while ago, and I think he's a bit more—he's a bit more lateral around the park and um, he's getting his hands on the ball a little bit more and sort of involving his game a little bit more than just the scrum, you know. But um, yeah, I, I, the physicality side of it from both teams, um, and when you look at just that and the exchanges of the maul and the, you know the scrum sort of went back and forth, tip for tat a wee bit. Allbacks probably got the upper hand a little bit towards the end when moods come on. And, but other than that, I thought, um, yeah, the, the physical battle was, was good to watch. They play with a lot of passion, don't they, Dagger? Like the, the yeah. Argentinians, the Latin blood, they, they just love it. The national anthem, they're crying, and it's like, Phew. you always know that first 20 or 30 is going to be right on. Mm. Yeah, that's what I've been talking about uh, last couple of days, just the passion that, that Argentina bring. Uh, you give them an inch, they take a mile, you know, and I just thought that scene set from Nipo Lalala on their leader, who I know who will be coming to the Crusaders, Pablo Martira, what that would have done for the All Blacks and uh, and, and just getting them getting them going. I totally agree. I thought Nipo Lalala was outstanding. I think his mobility around the field, you're right, his ball playing ability around the park has, has come up a notch as well. But talk to us about the Type 5. Have you been, you've been pretty happy with how they're tracking at the moment? I thought they took it to another level yesterday, especially around their pods, you know, especially those inside tips, those outside tips, the ball work out the back to the pivots. You've been pretty happy with how the tight five have been tracking the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I, I think that they can be pretty happy um, in most areas of their game. I, I think you can definitely see them just starting to want to maul a little bit more. Um, and, and they've got pretty good height, I think. Um, Plum's obviously done a lot of work there with that, that side of it. And That'll be building towards South Africa, I'd say, because that's where the, you know, with, with no due, due respect, I think, all due respect, I think that's the test. Um, that's where we'll yeah. see where the All Blacks are, I believe. Um, and that's what they'll be building towards. But what I've been really impressed with, if you, you know, you're going to single out someone, I just think Brody Retallick has been unbelievable in the last couple of tests. Mm-hmm. I, I love him for any young lock that's aspiring to be the best rugby player they can, watch Brody when he hasn't got the ball. His work around the park to get set is about 71-minute mark. There was a defensive line-out. Um, they were defending the Argentinian line-out, and he came around the corner three or four times to get set in D and then put a double shoulder on with Brody on one of their props. I was like, that is just... That's the stuff that you want to see from All Blacks, isn't it? And I think his work rate off the ball is just... Unbelievable! He's really starting to come into his own. It was good to see Scooter, you know, get some good touches last night, and you know he was good. He was good into contact and um, starting to get probably confidence up. Started a couple of games now, and 
he'll be feeling it too. So I think the lock's been pretty impressive, mate, to be honest. Jason, it's Louie here. I absolutely love that while people are watching you know, Rico Ioani and, and Bowden Barrett's flick pass, you're just watching line speed in the 71st minute and what Brody Retallick's work ethic. I just think that's brilliant. How do you how do you coach that or you say, you know, I want any young lock to watch that? How do you explain that that is what makes a difference in test match at test match level? So for us, we, we have a little we, um, KPI that we're pretty proud on where we, we stat something where we have a look at what doesn't the crowd see? And it's pretty much exactly what I've just explained there. You know, the, the your usual rugby passionate fan that loves to see tries, and we all want to see tries. We'll stat and we'll say, righto, boys, what's something the crowd didn't see today? And we'll we'll talk about that and really grow that because that, that's the... You know, everyone can see Sevu and Rico and all the boys scoring tries at Chaho and yeah, yeah, Dagger, you know, he used to do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did it a couple of times in the two tries he scored. But um <laughs> Yeah, we wanna we wanna see we wanna see that you know, that real hard stuff off the ball and that's what they're gonna need in, in the South African test coming up, as I say, you know, that and the end of the year in Europe and all that where it's not gonna be conditions will be different and um, so I think they're building. I think they can be pretty happy with where they're at, I think. Mate, I totally agree. I had a wee conversation about Bodie. Obviously, Bodie's a flashy player, but the other day I said, just watch him closely. Like Everyone looks for those big runs, those those big kicks, or those those things that he does, but just the little things that his, his ability to get in position, put himself into situations, scenarios where he's going to make a difference, and that's what big game players do. You like Brody Retallick, they're experienced, they know where to be, where his teammates want him to be, and it, like you said, to come up, put double shoulders, mate. Unbelievable performance from Brody Retallick. But for the All Blacks last night, they, they obviously won 39-0. I read some stats out before the show saying that they had 22 visits into the 22. They had, I think it was 10 and a half minutes inside the opposition 22. They only made 100 tackles. Argentina made 200 tackles to win 39-0. Could it have been a lot worse for Argentina if the All Blacks were a little bit more ruthless and clinical there? Oh, I think the All Blacks would be pretty disappointed in their finishing. 100%. There was a lot of passes um, that were pushed or, or weren't caught. Um, and literally, you know, off their strikes, you know, a couple of times they've been running out a wee bit. There's a bit of stuff where they yeah. come out of play or they run out of space. That's been quite a common theme, and I think that's, that's something that's going to really need some work. Um, staying a little bit squarer, and and that's all to do with that finishing. You know, usually if you if you've got your outside back, so I think it was Luke Jacobson last night going out. It means he's run mm. out of room before he's actually caught the pass. You know, so I think he's, yeah. um, they, they need to be a bit squarer definitely. But um, yeah, no, I think they uh, they will be ha- they will be happy with a lot of things, Izzy. But you know that that finishing side of it, that's where All Blacks just. Yeah, that's another 30 points potentially. It's like, well, hang on, it could have been 70. <laughs> and the, and, and the Argentinians, to be fair, they didn't really look like they were going to score, did they? Nah, nah, they, they looked like they were just shell-shocked. They had absolutely nothing up their sleeve. There's a lot of players on there I have absolutely no idea who they were. One of the wingers come on. So, look, I think they're just lacking a little bit of experience. Um, but like you said, if you give Argentina a sniff and they get a bit of excitement, they are tough to beat. And like you said... One of the great coaches, Wayne Smith. If you ran out, mate, if you ran out, you weren't playing the next week. It is an absolute coach killer. It is an easy way out. Is it a cop-out? It's a cop-out to run out. So, totally agree. Um, the boys need to stay in. the softest turnover in the game. 
softest mm. turnover in a game when someone runs out. <laughs> oh, I reckon. That's right. That's right, mate. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, Sam Whitlock. Sam Whitlock's heading over. Uh, oh, he's not heading over. Can you tell us the, well, what's needed? Obviously, he's, he only had a couple of days to prepare for a South African match, so hindsight, it's probably the right decision. But talk to us about Sammy Whitlock and, and, and that decision to not head over the right decision. Yeah, I don't think he can get that MIQ spot at the end. I think that's what it's sort of come down to, what's getting a spot in there. So, look, they'll... There's a little, there's a little part of me that thinks that this the All Black team at the moment. I'm not sure they've really been tested, like when it's been really, when the crowd, when you've really felt the pressure and think, God, they're really under the pump for a long time. There's been parts of the game when you look right back from, um, you know, Fiji and the rugby championships starting with there's bits of the game that have been put under pressure, but their whole game for 80 minutes, no one's actually really got close to them. And I think with Sam not being there for that South African test um, and the pressure that'll come with that, I think that's when they'll miss him the most. But what these boys are doing at the moment is they're actually growing their leadership within the group without him because they'll actually lead in a different way. Um, but I know Sam, you know, he said he's still still staying in touch with the leadership group and he'll be still chipping away and sign um, behind the scenes there. <laughs> Not that he really likes the one the scenes. He likes to be right out the front. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he'll uh, yeah. he'll be looking forward to you know catching up with him in the India tour, obviously, or the, and over in Europe. Hey, Jace, the the kind of the level four restrictions in the lockdown that we've had has kind of pushed all footy back a, a wee bit. So I think um, MPC resumes and or rugby resumes this weekend on Friday. Um, it can squeeze up the Super Rugby timetable or the preseason a little bit. So when do you? How much communication are you getting from NZR about when you expect to see you guys back in camp? And does that alter any plans for Razor and the crew, or you just kind of play it as it as it happens? Yeah, well, I think it's a mixture of um, two things, Louis. I think um, yeah, you've got to you've got to be able to adapt in this world, don't you? Pretty quickly because it's just changing all the time. But um, yeah, and we'll be ready for what whatever we are. We pride ourselves on having a real, you know, great preseason. But New Zealand rugby have been great, and obviously working with um, Sanzar and that sort of thing around what it's going to look like. But it's looking like our our assembly date is um, highly likely it's going to be around that sixth of January now, which is after Christmas, which is something um, new for us. So um, yeah, it, it is what it is. It's just be a shorter preseason, but. Just got to get on with it, don't you? It's not. It's never going to be perfect at the moment, but as long as we can get some footy on, and I think that's the great thing about um, the NPC starting up again this week. You know, I know New Zealand Rugby and all the provincial unions that have tried so hard to get some footy, and I know it's not great for the Auckland boys. It's bloody real shame for those, you know, those teams and managers and coaches and all their supporters up there that are going to miss out a little bit. So. But the fact that they've been um, flexible in their thinking and trying to get um, some comps together and push it out, I think it's great. We've got to have it. So um, they've done well. Oh, we're talking to the champion. That is Jace Ryan. Here's the Crusaders' assistance coach. We're going to put, uh, hang up on him uh, just shortly and uh, move move to our next part of the show. But before we do, Jace, looking forward to the Crusaders' season. We love a bit of adversity. We just move on and get get this, get our work done. Uh, looking forward to the season. What, what, you know, we've got any new signings uh, uh, for the Crusaders, and how are you looking? How's the season shaping up going forward? Yeah, we have got a couple of new signings actually, but 
Unfortunately, I can't tell you who they are just yet. Oh, Jace. <laughs> Get over here. Come on, Jace. Come on, Let it out. We're all friends. <laughs> Fli- you know, Baz, when is he for breakfast? Get in the gravy. Come on. Come on. <laughs> no, look, we've got... Um, Obviously, Pablo's coming over, and um, he's he's yeah. you know he's going to create a bit of hype, isn't he? He's going to add so much experience for a, what's what's a reasonably young forward trio. So yeah, we're we're pretty pretty excited by that. Um, and there's a couple of boys, or one boy in particular that's going pretty well for Canterbury that um, might come online that you might hear about in the next wee while. But you know, it'd be disrespectful for me to sort of mention that at the moment. <laughs> but we are looking forward to. Uh, some good young blood coming through, and we believe we've got a good mix um, with experience as well. Um, and, and looking forward to the comp, you know, it's going to be great with obviously the Drewer and um, Wana Pacifica involved. It's something a bit different. I think it needs it. The competition's got to always evolve, doesn't it? I think the, you know, it's no different to the game, and players need to evolve their game. You've got to get the competition. So the fans have got a thirst to watch it. So um, I think that's going to be good. And yeah, we're going through some planning now around what our pre-season will look like, what the time frame will be, so that come round one, you've got no excuses and you just, you know, you just get stuck in and look forward to it. Well, mate, I look forward to giving you a ring in about 40 minutes to get that little insider goss, and I promise you I won't share it on the Baz and Izzy for breakfast. But, mate, really appreciate you joining us, Jace. You're an absolute champion. Uh, thanks for being a part of the show and sharing your insights to what went on last night in that All Blacks test against Argentina. Look forward to catching up soon, and good luck for the Crusaders season next year, mate. Appreciate it. No worries, boys. Have a great day. Thanks. See you, Jason. Chase is on the text line. My bunny's got the job done. Now bring me on the storm. Wow, you're a brave you're a brave NRL fan if you want the storm. They were emphatic over the weekend, just like a certain teenager over at a famous American tennis tournament. Is he Emma Raducanu? What a story. What a champion, mate. I'm looking forward to this a little insights from our good mate, Brett Phillips. It's not the easiest thing to get your head around. A British teenager qualifying, coming from absolutely nowhere to win the US Open, breaking so many records and rewriting history in so many ways. It's impossible to list them all. Brett Phillips is the host of the First Serve, our resident tennis guru at SEN and SENZ, and he's up bright and early because the men's final gets underway in about 20-odd minutes. Morning, Brett. How are you? Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, great to chat. Uh, look, before we get into Djokovic and, and, and Medvedev, we've seen uh, some great Australian success uh, this morning. I just watched Dylan Alcott. I'm sure you're familiar with the name Dylan Alcott. Uh, what a star in uh, wheelchair tennis. who's just won the uh, the Golden Slam. Uh, of course, all four majors awesome. gold in Tokyo this year, so he's a bit of a legend in these part of the wor- this part of the world. And uh, Samantha Stoza, who won the US Open, um, of course, yeah. in singles, beating Serena. She won the doubles as a 21-year-old at 21, and now she's won it at 37 years of age. So wow. I'm up and about this morning. I didn't need a cup of coffee and a couple of jelly beans. These two uh, <laughs> got me up and about, and we've got uh, the main course to come. Mate, beautiful. Tennis is well and live and kicking, mate. Unbelievable form. We've got to talk about yesterday's performance yesterday morning I was uh, bunked up on the couch with my foot up resting away watching Emma Raducanu take on Layla Fernandez and Emma Raducanu getting up can you put into perspective what this uh, achievement for Emma has you know done for her life and, and what what kind of win would this do for her future going forward yeah it, it, it's simply I mean I, I still shake my head uh, 
you know, 24 mm. hours on, it's uh, it's astonishing. Uh, I mean, women's tennis is open, there's no doubt. I mean, since Serena Williams won the Australian Open in 2017, we know she's had a number of attempts to try and equal Margaret Court's uh, record and hasn't quite got there. But in that time, we've seen so many new winners, we've seen so many new finalists and semi-finalists mm. and quarter-finalists, names you couldn't even even forecast in your, in your predictions before uh, the start of the tournament. And at the lowest end of the pile there is Emma Raducanu. I mean, she certainly um, came into our vision at Wimbledon uh, this year because she's got a wild yeah. card, uh, had this darling run through, through to the fourth ranks. They'd lost Murray, so the British crowd had this, their hopes on a young 18-year-old who was 338 in the world. I mean, that's, that, that's only three months ago. And uh, yeah. then, of course, she had some good form uh, leading into the US Open on the tour. Had to go through three tough qualifying matches. So her ranking was 150 coming into qualifying. Wins those three, wins seven matches, didn't drop a set. And her level, it, it looks like she's been playing on the tour, you know, for a good decade. I mean, it just and, and yeah. as, as impressive off the court as well and the way she speaks and articulates. And, yeah, she's always been regarded as a girl in the British tennis system that, actually had a bit of talent. So the LTA over there, the governing body, certainly has thrown some dollars her way. Uh, she was studying, uh, finishing off her sort of year 12 uh, last year, didn't play through uh, the COVID period. Her team pleaded for a wild card for Wimbledon based on her potential, and she hasn't looked back since. And, and who knows, but she'll have a target on her back now. But she's mm. gone to 23 in the world from 338 in two and a half months. I mean, I, I don't think I've seen a rankings jump boys uh, like it. And we'll wait and see whether she can maintain it. There'll be some ups and downs certainly from here. Tennis is a pretty brutal sport on the road. But, yeah, she certainly uh, certainly can play the game. Wow, Brett, when you paint the picture like that, and I get, we get carried away with it's the greatest of all time, it's the most incredible thing we've ever seen. But literally, have you ever seen anything like this in your time in tennis? Not, not, in, not in my time covering tennis. I mean, we, we had to go back. I mean, prior to that final yesterday, you had to go back to when uh, Serena Williams played Martina Hingis when Serena won her first major in 1999. That was the last battle of uh, two teenagers. But they, I mean, Hingis was already winning Grand Slams, as we know, uh, 16, 17, and, and Serena obviously was making a big impression at a young age. But, yeah, for this girl, I mean, I, I sort of was, was thinking yesterday... I was looking down the rankings of our Australian girls, thinking, God, these, you know, they're struggling away on the ITF tour. They're playing in far-flung places around the world where there's no one watching. And you couldn't imagine any of them being a Grand Slam champion. So that, that's just, it's mind-boggling. But the women, <laughs> the depth in women's tennis, the, the, the depth is certainly there, which is why I get asked all the time, well, we've got a world number one here, Ash Barty. Why isn't she just winning major after major? Well, the simple... Uh, answer to that is um, the quality is there that want to knock her off. You don't have it on your terms all the time. She's certainly the most consistent player at Barty on the tour, but she's not going to have it her way winning slam after slam because the competition is so hot. Yeah, no, it's a really good way to put it. The depth is incredible. So but then on the men's side, Brett, it's quite different. Well, I mean, the depth has been growing, but for so long we've talked about the next generation or the changing of the guard. But yet we have a guy here, Novak Djokovic, who today is going for his Grand Slam. And I mean, it's kind of, it's like a history warping time in tennis. How do you put into perspective what today means for his legacy and actually the legacy of this era? Yeah, it's a huge occasion, no doubt. Uh, look, you, you can't help but admire uh, the, the Djokovic's 
as a tennis player and as an athlete. Now, whether you, whether you like or dislike him as a person, and he does polarise around the world, uh, you've simply got to acknowledge his tennis achievements and, and, and the athlete that he's become. He's taken preparation, diet, uh, just all mm. the one percenters to a whole new level against his contemporaries and his closest rivals, Federer and Nadal, over the last 15 years. So he started behind. He's going to overtake them. He might overtake them by a fair margin because he's the youngest and he's still probably got another two years, maybe, at his absolute peak. So if he wins today... Um, I mean, everyone thinks it's a pretty simple argument that he is the greatest of all time. I think it's still very subjective, and I don't base it purely on statistics. So everyone will have a different mm. view on this. I mean, for me, I think Federer um, has left the biggest legacy uh, out of those three on the sport, but that, that's something you could debate for hour upon hour. But Djokovic, look, uh, the resilience, the mental resilience. I mean, the first time, boys, he came to the Australian Open, back as a young boy, we're going back to 2006, seven hot Melbourne days when it got over the 40s. He was as flaky as anything. You, 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 couldn't, you couldn't imagine 15, uh, 16 years down the track that he'd be this tough, resilient, um, you know, go-to-the-wire go go to sort of guy who mm. just never relents. And that's what he's become. So mm. he should get it done today. He beat Medvedev very comfortably in the Australian Open final back in February. So that'll certainly been the back of the mind of Daniil to put up a much better performance, but you know, how do you, how do you tip against Novak considering what he's done this year? So so we, we're saying, you're saying Medvedev has no chance of spoiling the party. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, <laughs> no, I think if, if, if Zverev can take him to five in a semi, Medvedev, if he plays at his best, could certainly stretch Djokovic to the same sort of distance, potentially. I mean, but this is, this is where Novak goes up a total new level. So we've seen him drop some sets early and maybe not dial in early into the match. But if I think back to the Australian Open this year, it, the game was over uh, halfway through mm. the first set. This beat even Nadal in, in the Australian Open final a couple of years ago. We thought this was going to be a classic. It was over in an hour and a half. So Novak gets to this point. And he, he just paces his way through a slam so well. So he can look a little scratchy in the first week, but each match he gets better and better and better. Come the big dance, uh, he just <laughs> he makes you look silly if you're if you're not not up for the fight. So Medvedev's got to be up for the fight today, but you know, I'm not going past. Uh, I'm not going not game enough to go past Djokovic. <laughs> no one's game enough to go past Novak, absolute champion, the Joker. Hey, just before I let you go, I just want to go back to Emma. Um, just one little insight I had. This win, this win, it's catapulted her into the limelight. She is a famous name now. She's grown in stature. She is a public figure. And I just look back to a girl like Emma, uh, Eugenie Bouchard. When she came onto the scene, she blasted on the scene. She's fell away into oblivion at the moment. She's nowhere to be seen. What are we hoping to see from Emma? And do you see her going on and bettering her career from this performance on the weekend? Yeah, I do, and I think the most the most crucial part of tennis is the team around you, and those who have got great people around them, you know, and, and the demands off court will be there for a manager now to deal with. Okay, Emma, we want you to be the face of this and the face of that, and the endorsement deals, yeah. things will be coming her way. But I think Chris Evert summed it up beautifully yesterday, the 18-time champion, that she hopes that Emma's still allowed that, still allowed to be a teenager. You know, the, yes, mm. the attention's going to come, but just enjoy just being out there doing what you love. Same for Layla Fernandez. I mean, these two are very marketable. 
Uh, they're going to be very much the face of the game for the next 10 to 15 years. But, yeah, look, I think the team will be really, really important. I, I can't see a dropping off if you read sort of the backstory of Emma Raducanu. And, yeah, I think arguably the best smile I've seen in tennis in uh, in 20 years. She's probably still smiling, uh, smiling today. <laughs> yeah, it's so true, Brett. Hey, thanks so much, man. We appreciate all your work across SCN, in SCNZ. Enjoy this final and what is an incredible time for tennis. Can I just say, boys, very quickly, so we'll have the first serve, which you can listen to on the SCN, uh, SCNZ app uh, tonight. Uh, so I think it comes in around about 10 o'clock on a, on a Monday night. Uh, Sam Groff, the man with the fastest serve ever recorded in the game, is with me. We'll do a full recap of the US Open. You can listen to that uh, live on the app anywhere across uh, New Zealand tonight. Outstanding, Brett. That was awesome. Brett Phillips. Thanks, Thanks to Yonix. Brett. 75% of product crafted in Japan. Check out their full range at yonix.com. It was a return LeBron would be proud of. Cristiano Ronaldo scoring a brace on his second debut for Manchester United. His fans around the world watched in awe. Harry Simeo, and he'll be quite happy. Arsenal got up over the night, so they're off the, they're off the bottom of the ladder. They got a win, but he joins us on the line. Good morning, Harry. How you doing, guys? Hope you're well. We're good, mate. We're good. We've got to touch on it. I have to touch on uh, uh, Manchester United and Cristiano Ronaldo, mate. How was that performance? And has he changed people's thoughts that age is nothing but a number? Yeah, I mean, it was it was typical Cristiano Ronaldo, wasn't it? He was never going to pass up the opportunity to really <laughs> uh, grasp the moment. And, and we call him, here in the UK, we call him a clutch player, which means a player who mm. gets all the clutch moments. He always pops up when it really matters. And to see him come back to Old Trafford and, and score a couple of goals, even as an Arsenal fan, you kind of... I'm not going to say I wanted to see it because that's a bit strong, but just <laughs> as a, the football romantic in me wanted to see him come back and, and make his mark, and he, he did brilliantly as well. Matt, this signing for Manchester United is, is a clever signing, not in the sense that you're getting a class player like Cristiano Ronaldo, but pretty much shirt sales have gone through the roof. So Manchester United pretty much made their money back already, haven't they? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, I think, on here. We said what a kind of massive move it was from a commercial standpoint as well. But it's the thing is with Cristiano Ronaldo is that even at 36 years old, you still get the best of both worlds because you get all the mm. commercial value that a player of his profile brings, but you also get uh, a top-quality footballer. He's adapted his game now, plays a little bit more like a centre-forward. Well, he is a centre-forward now. Whereas when he first played at Manchester United, he was more of a wide player. But, you know, it's it, the way he's kind of adapted over the years and changed his game to kind of cope with the age, I guess, is, is brilliant. So a fair play to him. He's yeah. fantastic. And I'm sure that's the first couple of many in this Premier League season. Harry, you're our man, all things English football and football up in the UK, but I feel like watching from afar this story and Ronaldo's debut over the weekend, it really transcended. It was felt like it was really part of kind of culture and history, and obviously Emma Raducanu kind of hit that same threshold in the UK. So what sort of a weekend has it been up there with all of this going on? Yeah, it's been, it's been a really good weekend from a sporting perspective, for sure. Um, you know, the Premier League's kicked off again this season, and it's it's been brilliant to have all the fans back in the stadiums. That makes a massive difference to the product as well. Watching the games in an empty stadium wasn't quite the same. But you're right, the Ronaldo story was huge. It was massive. It was, uh, you know, it took over. Everybody was kind of, I know I was at the Emirates Stadium watching Arsenal yesterday. 
But when Manchester United were playing at the same time, people around me were constantly checking their phones to see if Cristiano Ronaldo had scored. So it is something that everyone was keeping their eyes on and, and what a story it was. The, the frustrating thing here in the UK is that the game wasn't televised. We have a blackout oh. here on Saturdays at 3pm. So they don't show any live football uh, between 3 and 5pm in the UK on a Saturday, which is really frustrating because that was the game that everyone wanted to watch. Yeah, it's crazy. It's always been that way. Oh. <laughs> it is absolutely unbelievable, mate. Broadcasting shambles there. Mate, I want to ask you about, uh, before we get on to Arsenal, and I know your, your beloved Arsenal got up over Norwich City, and I want to hear your thoughts on that. But before then, with with the Cristiano's Ronaldo's uh, inclusion in the Manchester City uh, Manchester United, I should say, team. They've got Paul Pogba, they've got Danny De Gea, they've got some absolute superstars. How has he been received within the Manchester environment? Are they all for it, or are they a bit like, nay, what about me? Yeah, I think Cristiano Ronaldo is that good that, you know, every kind of professional hopes to someday play alongside someone like that. You know, it's one of those things you want to mm. tell your grandkids, isn't it? I played with one of the greatest ever. <laughs> The thing with Cristiano Ronaldo in, in the years gone by is that at times you've seen teams maybe sometimes gear their play too much towards him in the sense that they, mm. you know, their other top players sometimes get left by the wayside a little bit. But when he scored yesterday, you could see all the top players, everybody involved with Manchester United sprinted over to him in celebration. So it was definitely kind of like a a real unity to the United team there. It'll be interesting to see how he goes through the season though, because he is 36 mm. years of age, which isn't old, but in football terms, you know, it's, he's coming towards, you know, the the last phase of his career, you would say. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much he's involved this season and and whether that kind of has an effect on, on other players around him who maybe will be limited to game time as a result of that. Nice, nice. Well, we have to talk about it, mate. Arsenal getting one up over Norwich City. Have they turned a leaf? Have they turned a corner, mate? Well, it's a bit early to say, to be honest, because the start <laughs> of the season has been so bad that, you know, it, we, the thing is, a lot of Arsenal fans came away from that game yesterday relieved that we obviously got the three yeah. points and scored a goal and, and come off the bottom of the table. It was really interesting and, and it was a game that we were quite excited for because we saw pretty much a completely different Arsenal team. Uh, Mikel Arteta mm -hmm. finally having some of his new signings available and, and the the team that he wants to pick week in, week out. It wasn't the greatest Arsenal display, I've got to say, but I think given the way we started this season, there was a lot of pressure on it. It was just about getting over the line. But hopefully they can pick up another three points this coming weekend against Burnley. And then after that, it's the small matter of the North London derby between Arsenal and Spurs. So plenty of action to come. Ooh. And talking about yeah. Spurs, Harry, I've got to let you get back to your life. We have to get off to the news with Trudy. But Baz McCullum's up at the in the IPL making his, well, his rupee. And um, look, he's not here, but this is what he said last time you were on the show. And I just thought, well, he's not here. Let's just pull the bus out. I'll cut him some slack, you know. You got, yeah. I mean, we probably asked him 10 questions there. Nine of them he's going to get right, and one of them he's going to cock up. And he just happened to cock up the one that, that really matters, which is the Spurs are going to be standing there at the end of the year with the trophy aloft, and I'm going to be saying, thanks for your time, Harry. Oh, I didn't quite, didn't quite go that way this weekend. So you get right a reply here, Harry, that this, you, can, you can revel in this, mate. 
it, you know what what astounds me about Tottenham supporters is they've watched failure year after year after year, but they never learn. They never learn. They never learn. You know, it was it was great to see them get absolutely hammered yesterday and by an Arsenal legend in Patrick Vieira as well, the new Crystal Palace manager. It was great fun. And I promise you they'll end up trophyless once again. Oh, amazing. <laughs> amazing, Harry. Thanks so much for your time, mate. We'll catch up again. Oh, I love it. Cheers, guys. Heaps of correspondence on the Union, uh, the All Blacks test, because a Sunday night test, it was two in a row, mm. but it's pretty unlikely. We don't usually get it that often, is he? So people are, are fired up, and I'm curious to hear about your take on the yeah. actual game itself and what you made of, I guess, the full picture. Um, look, uh, some I want to touch on a, a little subject that I think needs a lot of work. So at the moment, that game went 15 minutes over time went 15 minutes longer than it probably should have. So here's a lot of people talking about reset scrums and slowing the games down, injury breaks, blah, blah. They need to be, you know, they're talking about that. For me, for me, I've, what I, my take from that game was other TMOs, other TMOs having too much of an influence in our game in this day and age. Are they taking away the ability for referees to make decisions. And now are referees actually referring to the TMO because they've lost their instinctual ability to make decisions on the run? That is my thoughts from yesterday's game. The game was slow, and I felt like George Berry was constantly referring to the TMO, constantly going up. The TMO was having a lot of uh, influence in the game, and we've seen it with the league, you know, league at the moment, with the bunker. The bunker... You know, they're constantly coming in. Whenever there's a try scored, it looks like it's a try, mate. It's a try. Anyone with, with, with two eyes can know that there's a try, but they blow the double whistle, they go up to the bunker, and the bunker makes the final decision. So my thoughts is, is the TMO, and is the game of rugby with, with the TMO's influence in the game at the moment, all the, all the people behind the cameras, is their influence in the game slowing our game down and making it harder or making it a a difficult decision for these refs to make decisions down the field. I want to hear your thoughts at home. Give us me, give me a text in double eight double three with your thoughts on the TMO. My thoughts are that the refs are losing their ability to make decisions on the fly, make decisions on the go, and they are referring to the TMO a lot more than they should. Don't get me wrong; safety is paramount. There is a time when the TMO needs to be used, but at the moment, I feel like the TMO is having too much influence on the game and is slowing our game and is, is potentially ruining the game. That is my fast, uh, thoughts, Louis. Well, I hear your little take on that. What do you think, mate? It's a tough one. Uh, look, the game, mm. it's an unacceptable length. I, the game has taken two hours and ten minutes. That is, I don't think any rugby fan or any sports fan thinks that's an acceptable amount of time. But is it the TMO, is he, or is it Argentina's continual breakdown play where they, in the second half, where they were tired, the All Blacks were hot on attack, and actually during the first half as well, it was just breakdown penalty after breakdown penalty, where I don't know whether Nick Berry has a choice mm. a lot of the time. Um, so the TMOs, the, look, the TMO is a frustrating one because they are constantly checking the game, aren't they? So then why do we have to go to them? If yeah. something's wrong, shouldn't they just have the power? Shouldn't you just be able to kind of come and sort it out straight away? But I wonder about the time, just the... the persistent breakdown penalties it just kind of it made the last 20 minutes a really hard watch for me last night but I don't know Do, yeah. am I on the money there or is that off the mark 
Yeah, no, that's you're on the money there. Like Argentina didn't make it a lot easier for themselves. They were terrible at the breakdown. Pablo Matera gave away a ton of breakdown um, penalties. But for me, it's just you know little things around the goal line. Um, just throughout the game, that you know the the TMOs probably yelling out check check. Um, during the game, they're playing re- uh, replays. The refs focus is taken away from the game, so he's looking up at the big screen, and then he goes back and has a wee look. So. I just I just feel like it's it's just a slow and, and tedious process and, and don't get me wrong, refs we need to make the right decisions. We want our refs to make the right decisions, but I feel like it's taking away their instinctual way to be able to see the game and referee it. And um yeah, that that's just my, my thoughts at the moment that the TMOs are probably just having a bit more influence than I feel like they should have. Where do you sit on the bunker in the NRL? Oh the bunker really irritates me how they always like I've I've seen a try. There's a try being scored, and they go back to the bunker, and then the bunker comes out and makes the call. And nine times out of ten, there it's a wrong call too. So it's a bloody shambles, mate. Like, oh, look, look, honestly, league is a totally different game. There's there's different parts to the to the way that they structure. You like the back balls. You can't have that back def- attacker going outside the the front running line um, before he gets the ball. So you actually got to catch the ball behind it so the defender can make decisions. There's all that technical side of it that happens really quick in a game of league that they probably have to referee. But sometimes there's, there's tries that have been scored and they go to the bunker and it just slows it down. It's, it's an absolute no-brainer to try. So, look, it's just one of those touchy little subjects for me that feel like um, could just do a bit of work, a bit of work because the game is, is slow with resets and things like that and that, just the TMO's decisions and things like that was just just slowing it down a bit more, mate. So that's just my take from it. Yeah, fair enough. Double eight, double three. Give us a, or give us a call. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Is Izzy on the mark here, or, or do we need the TMO? And is this for safety for actually the game's integrity? Is this just a situation we have to deal with? Double eight, double three. Is the TMO ruining the game for you? The game itself is he thirty nine nil a shutout from the All Blacks. Mm. Is that a fair representation of how they played? Yeah, look, uh, it's fascinating post that I was, I was reading the stats, the full-time stats. So here's the stats. I'll read them for you at home. Possession was 64% in favour of the All Blacks. Territory was 65%. Time and opposition, 22. The All Blacks had 10 minutes and 10 seconds in the opposition, 22. They had 22 visits to the 22 of the Argentinian side. They only made 108 tackles. Argentina made 200. We had carry metres. We had 702 carry metres. Argentina had 180. So, obviously, we won 39 nils um, uh, last night. And the nil, for me, is what, what cements it. Like That's when you, you know that the, the, the All Blacks have had, a, had an unbelievable um, game when they were able to eat, keep a side like Argentina to nil, which, in fairness, they had no opportunities. The, off, the All Blacks suffocated. They, they held onto the ball. They put them under a tonne of pressure. Both sides of the ball, they played extremely well. They carried hard. What I loved, mate, what I loved is is they, they they wound them down. They wound them down. So like I spoke about before with the boys playing those tip lines, Bodie Barrett, when he first started playing, he was attacking the line, attacking the line. So what does that do to the defence when they when you get a team that's really attacking the line? The outside defender will come in. So then the boys started figuring, okay, Bodie's attacking now. We're going to run off his shoulder. We're going to get close to him, and we're going we're gonna to get those little short balls off him. So when Bodie was running short, he'd have like Guzzler, he'd have, um, a sophomore more, he'd have all the big boys just outside him, so he'd do those little tip passes. So he set them up really well, set them up really well. But when I read those stats, when I read those stats, and I saw this, the the one-sided statistics from that game, 22 visits to the 
22 and I, th- I put myself in Ian Foster's shoes, would I be happy? Would I be happy with 22 visits, taking away only five tries and a couple of penalties? Would I be happy? For me, in all honesty, I thought it probably should have been 60-0. 60-0 if I look at those wow. statistics okay. from that game. 100%. Six, 22 visits to the 22. They, they had about three or four tries turned down. Don't get me wrong, 39 nils an absolute drubbing. But I, th- I know the All Blacks, and they want to be relentless. They want to be ruthless in everything they do. I know uh, Ian Foster would probably be takeaways would be they sh- they probably should have put sixty or seventy on on the, on the Argentinian side last night. That's a high bar, sixty nil. Izzy mm. Dag, you think that they should have won sixty nil against Argentina? Who? But look, Argentina's they're pushing the Springboks in South Africa, who have just beaten the Lions in a series and, and granted the Wallabies came out and we'll talk about Quade Cooper later on. They've knocked off the Springboks, but 60-0 against Argentina, that's um that's tough work. Like that's not they, they don't just they haven't just come to this tournament to be knocked out 60 0, have they? No way, no way. But that that's the thing. If you if you look into that game in depth and you see the opportunities that the All Blacks created and and the ruthlessness that I know that they're about and, and putting teams away and not giving them an inch and stamping a, putting a stake in the ground, they would have seen the stats, they would have seen the game, they would have seen the opportunity. If I was reviewing this game for the All Blacks, I'd, I'd look at the things that they did well, but then I'd also look at the missed opportunities that potentially you might only get half an opportunity against the Springboks in a couple of weeks. If you don't take those opportunities and you keep giving teams uh, uh, you know, op- opportunities to get away and, and relieve that pressure, then you probably won't win. These, these important matches. So you look in, in depth into these games. Yes, it's a great win. You can look at the 39-0 winning, but then you go look a little bit deeper and you think, okay, there's 22 visits here. There's countless opportunities where we could have scored tries. We could have put points on the table. How do we rectify that? How do we make it better? And then and then come two weeks' time when they're the biggest performance that they have to play is up against the Springboks. That's where we're going to test ourselves in a couple of weeks. Yes, they lost last night, but that's nothing. You know, like this couple of weeks, that's when we'll really know where we are as a team. And um, looking forward to that, mate. Let's continue this discussion, Izzy. That's really interesting. 60 nil. Were the All Blacks ruthless enough? Double eight, double three. Were you happy with a shutout, 39 nil, or is 60 nil what you would expect if you look at the full picture and the stats from that game? Double eight, double three. The T. TMO is frustrating, but again, it's the laws letting the game down. That's Tony. TMO is ruining the viewing experience. Unnamed texter. Keep those coming in. Double eight, double three. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.